0: You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected.
1: Well, for the past 15 years, I've had the privilege of Preaching from this pulpit, uh, and maybe not this pulpit, but uh, from uh, as, as your pastor at the gateway church, and over that time frame, uh, it has been a priority and really a pattern to honor god 's word it 's one of our core values is to honor god 's word and, and we do that uh, through different seasons, and uh, we have had a pattern of expository preaching which simply means where we take a book of the Bible and kind of go line by line or chapter by chapter through the book. And we've done this for years. In fact, I remember uh, it was in the New Year season that we launched a a book and the Biller family showed up uh, just like this. And, and, And I remember you're like, man, we were hungry for the Word of God in that way. And the reason we preach expository, you know, through different seasons is because it keeps God's Word as the priority. Can I get an amen? The idea is you can't pick and choose your favorite subjects uh, when you're preaching through a book, and you can't avoid hard topics. And so uh, that's that's part of the reason. And the other thing is expository preaching teaches us, teaches you, how to read and study God's Word in a deeper fashion, and it's good for your spiritual health. And so, uh, th- this season, we're heading into a new season where we're going to be uh, studying a book of the Bible. And this last summer, I was talking with some of the students at, at, in the Gateway Youth, and I was like, "Hey, what's your favorite book of the Bible?" Uh, I'm thinking about next year. Uh, we're going to do some more expository preaching, and uh, and I was sharing this. And uh, Abby, I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember having the conversation? And uh, uh, Abby was like, oh, my favorite book is the book of Exodus. And Abby, I'm telling you, when you said that, it was like a light went off in my head. I'm like, that's a great idea. I've not preached through the book of Exodus. And since that point, I've been reading and rereading the book of Exodus, planning, preparing. And so if you love the book of Exodus, you can blame or you can thank Abby (laughs) But if you can't stand it, um, you can also blame Abby. Sorry about that, Abby. But, uh, but we're so glad. And today we're going to be launching into the book of Exodus. And when you think of the book of Exodus, it's kind of like the story that everybody knows, right? Uh, it, it shows up in movies and in music and in literature, in fact, I I think people that don't even know anything about the Bible, for some reason, they know about the Exodus. And uh, in fact, we could have a little uh, plan this next couple weeks to share, like, hey, we're talking about the book of Exodus at church. What do you know? And find out with what your friends and family uh, know, your coworkers, and, and just ask them, you know, what is it about it? And that what's great is that the number one character of all Scripture is Jesus, that's always the right answer if if you ever wonder. But the second character that's probably most prominent in Scripture or people that would recognize is the character of Moses. And Exodus is really his journey, uh, at least for the uh, the majority of Exodus. And so uh, so we are, have kind of planned out uh, the book uh, to preach through the book of Exodus step by step, and really from January here through the month of uh, through the end of May. Uh, that's kind of the plan and what we're going to see through the book of Exodus is that it broadcasts the name of God in a really unique way it also pivots on the promises of God and so it's it's not only the name of God it's the promises and then we're going to see that true freedom is found in submission and obedience and that's something we need to see uh, on a regular basis. And what we're also going to see is that the story of the Exodus is the defining, saving event in the Old Testament, and it links from Genesis to Revelation, uh, the story that brings the whole Bible together. And today is just going to be an introduction to the book of Exodus, a kind of an overview. And uh, when we, th- when we uh, do a service like this, um, I was actually struggling a little bit with application saying okay Lord uh, really you know what is it for us in an introduction or an overview and I, I ended up meeting with my uh, daughter I said hey will you uh, she's a credentialed minister uh, with the assemblies of God and and we just it was awesome to Talk with her, and she gave me some thoughts that uh, really helped us as we set our hearts for, before the Lord on this first Sunday of the year. And we look forward to that. But uh, when you look, think about an overview or an introduction, it's important before we dive into chapter by chapter to really understand from a 30,000 foot view. What is the book about? Uh, and really, the key is to understanding the, con- and understanding the context is essential to the proper treatment of the text. So if you understand the whole, then we can get to the nitty-gritty. And before we take chapter by chapter uh, in individual stories, uh, we want to look and answer the question, What is Exodus all about? And uh, to do that, I want to introduce you to a tool that my wife has used over the past several years. Uh, it's called the Bible Project. Is there anyone here that's ever heard of the Bible Project? Okay, a few of you, good. And uh, it, the Bible Project—they have a lot of different reading Bible plans. Uh, you can, on your U you version uh, on your phone, you can go to the Bible Project and you can walk through the Bible. And I think that's what Jessica, my wife, has done. And uh, in and along the journey they create, uh, It's a, what the Bible Project is, it's a group of artists, it's a group of storytellers that kind of summarize different stories and books of the Bible, and uh, it is phenomenal. And it's interesting that when you find something that is done so well, uh, it's hard to read do that or to kind of reproduce that on your own. It's kind of like uh, when you find something that is improved something. So like people used to ride horses to church, right? And uh, when they came out with a bicycle, people started riding their bikes to church. And then when they came out with uh, automobiles, people started driving their cars to church. Can you believe it? And I'm just curious, is there anyone here that walked or rode a bike or a horse. Nope, we probably all came in an automobile this morning, right? And it's kind of, I feel that way about the Bible Project. When they do an overview, it is smashing. And so without further ado, we're going to look at the first section of Exodus from the Bible Project. It's a little video. Here we go. Let's talk about
0: the book of Exodus. Now, you're probably familiar with this book because of the epic story of Moses leading Israel out of slavery from Egypt. Yeah, but that's just the first half of the book.
2: The second half has Moses giving the Ten Commandments to Israel along with these blueprints for making a sacred tent. Now right here in the middle is this story that connects these two halves together and it all takes place at the foot of a famous mountain. Okay, so let's start. Back at the beginning.
0: So the first thing we have to remember is we're continuing the story from Genesis. Yeah, in Genesis, God promised Abraham that through his family, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And Genesis ends with Abraham's family down in Egypt. When Exodus begins, 400 years have passed. The family grows and becomes the people group now called Israel. But there's this huge problem because the Israelites are enslaved to this king
2: of the Egyptians, a guy called Pharaoh. This guy is really bad news. Yeah, he's horrible. He he disregards their humanity. He brutally enslaves them. And he even orders that all of the Israelites' sons should be killed by throwing them into the Nile River. He wants to wipe these people out. He's the worst character in the Bible so far.
0: Here's where we meet an Israelite woman who wants to save her son.
2: And so she does throw
0: him in the river, but safely, in this little reed basket. And Pharaoh's daughter finds this baby and takes him as her own. And this is the boy who grows up to become Moses, the man who will rescue Israel from slavery. So Moses grows up and one day much later in his life, he has this crazy encounter with God where he comes across a bush that's on fire, but it isn't actually burning up. And God speaks from the
2: bush and he appoints Moses as the man he will use to deliver Israel.
0: So Moses goes to Pharaoh to tell him this, this news that God wants his people free. And Pharaoh, he just, pretty much laughs at him He's like,
2: who's this God Yahweh and in fact he's so offended by this request he decides to
0: make the Israelites work even harder so discouraged Moses goes back to God and says listen this plan's not going to work but God repeats his promise that
2: he's going to rescue them and in fact it's right here for the first time in the Bible that we hear the word redemption It literally just means to purchase a slave's freedom. But God here uses this word to describe what he's going to do for enslaved Israel.
0: And God knows Pharaoh is going to resist, so he sends ten different plagues, one after another, like turning water into blood, sending all sorts of pests and disease. These plagues are really severe. They are severe, but we need to understand
2: that the stories presenting these as acts of divine justice against one of the worst oppressors in the story of the Bible. And they're all aimed at the purpose of
0: rescuing these enslaved people and defeating the gods of Egypt. This all comes to a climax at the 10th plague, where God's going to kill the firstborn sons across all Egypt. Every house, it's pretty rough. It is, but it's also God's
2: response for how
0: Pharaoh killed the Israelite sons. Now as you turn the page, you suddenly get two long chapters of detailed instructions for... What's well, it's essentially throwing a dinner party with a recipe for a lamb. Yeah, but this lamb is super important. God tells the Israelites to pick it
2: out and to prepare it to be eaten. And they're supposed to take its blood and then paint it all over the doorframe of their house. And anyone who is in that house will be spared from this final plague. And so this meal, which is called Passover, it commemorates this key moment in the story where God brings his justice on human evil but also shows mercy by providing this substitute.
0: This final plague makes Pharaoh angry, and he demands that Israel gets out of Egypt, which is great. But suddenly, as they leave, Pharaoh changes his mind. He has a change of heart. But on top of that, we're also told that God hardens Pharaoh's heart. Why
2: would God do that? Well, what we need to remember is that over and over in this story, Pharaoh has already chosen to harden his own heart. And so at this point, Pharaoh, he's not just evil, he's become monstrously evil. Even his own advisors think that he has gone way too far. And so how is God supposed to deal with such an extreme form of evil? And what we see in this story is that God uses his power to lure evil into its own destruction. Pharaoh and his army are destroyed in the Red Sea as Israel passes into freedom. And after this, we find the very first song of worship in the Bible as the people praise God for redeeming them. And it's in this story that the word salvation is also used for
0: the first time, which means simply to be rescued from danger. Now that they're saved, you would think that everything should be great, but the story quickly turns. The Israelites start wandering in the desert. They're tired, hungry, lost. And you start to wonder, what's God doing? What were they saved for?
2: And we learn the answer to that question in the very next story, which ties the two parts of this whole book together.
1: yeah, I love that. My, uh, my wife leans over, she said, I love this. And so, thanks for that. It's a great, great synopsis. There's a lot there. And when you think of the overview, it's important to kind of get the big picture. And there's really two things I want to talk about today. And the first thing is that Exodus is a story about God. Turn to your neighbor and say, Exodus is a story about God. Come on, tell him It's a story about God. In fact, there, one commentator said it's one of the deepest sources of doctrine of who God is. We will see that he is utterly holy, that he is self-sufficient, that he's sufficient to save, he's perfectly faithful, he's abounding in compassion, and over and over we're going to see in, uh, this idea of describing who God is, and it's pretty phenomenal. The second thing, though, is not it's not only a story about God, Exodus is also a story about God's people. And just... Turn around and look at each other, and we are God's people, right? It's a story about us. It's a story of of these privileged Israelites, right, that now are in oppression. It's a dark time, especially at the beginning of Exodus. It's a group of people that are helpless and under bondage and not experiencing God's promises like they could or should. They're in Egyptian slavery and they're helpless to deliver themselves. And the truth is, we all stand in a similar way, that we are helpless in many ways as well. They are separated from the land of promise. And so it becomes this story, the Exodus does, of God's people of deliverance and of redemption. And I just want to challenge us that it can be our story as well. And so that's what we're going to work on, becoming part of this story. So number one, it's about God, and it's also about His people. Well... We've seen the first half overview. Let's check out the second half, chapter 19 through 40, another couple minutes from the Bible Project.
0: The first half of the book of Exodus tells the story of ancient Israel being rescued from slavery. And when people say the Exodus story, those are the chapters they're referring to. But the book
2: has a second half, where Moses gives the Ten Commandments to Israel, along with these instructions about
0: building a sacred tent. And what links these two halves together is this crucial story. The people of Israel, they're out in the middle of nowhere. They find themselves at the foot of this mountain called Sinai. And here, God's presence comes dramatically down in the form of a violent storm cloud. Now, let's stop a second and talk about this concept of God's presence, because it's really important for the rest of the
2: book. At the beginning of the Bible, in the garden, of Eden, humanity was in God's presence, they had this close relationship with him and it was good. But humanity rebels and the relationship is fractured and access to God's presence is lost. But God promised Abraham that he would restore his blessing to all of the nations and that includes
0: this restoration of relationship and access to God's presence. So here at Sinai, God's presence is now right here in front of them and it's actually quite frightening. And he's here to invite Israel into this unique and close relationship with him.
2: And the word used to describe this relationship is covenant. It's like a legal agreement between God and Israel. And it's unique because up till now, God hasn't asked Israel to do anything in return, just to trust him. But here on this mountain, God is going to ask Israel to do something. A lot of things, actually. He gives them a whole set of laws that it includes the Ten Commandments. And if they obey these commandments, they will become the people who will represent God to the nations of the world. Like a priest would. Yeah, in fact, that's what God calls them to become, a kingdom of priests. And this is all connected back to the promise to Abraham that his family would become a blessing to the nations.
0: Okay, but obeying these laws is going to be difficult because... There's a lot of them, and they set a really high standard. Though if you think
2: about it, I mean, of anybody in the world who should be able to do it, I mean, it's these people who experienced firsthand God's grace
0: and his power when he rescued them from slavery. And and they agree to obey the terms, but then they refuse to go into God's presence because it's, well, it's still a bit frightening. And since the people won't go up, Moses goes up to the mountain by himself to meet
2: with God. But God still wants to be with all of his people. And so he says, okay, if the people won't come up here to me, I'll come down off this mountain to be with you all. And that's why he
0: orders Moses to build this elaborate tent as a place where God's presence can be among his people. And that's why the next thing we get is seven chapters of extremely detailed architectural blueprints for this tent. It's really, really really long. But every detail
2: is important and has some kind of symbolic value. For example, there's all this Garden of Eden imagery inside the tent. And it's to remind you that when you're in the tent, you are
0: in god's presence then we get another six chapters describing how they built the tent which is really just repeating the same blueprints word for word now let's back up because before the tent is
2: finished there's this super important story moses is coming off the mountain with the ten commandments and the blueprints in his hands and he finds israel breaking the first two commands of the covenant
0: don't have any other gods before me and don't worship idol statues
2: right and so here we are immediately after agreeing to the covenant they're throwing this ritual party they're worshiping an idol and so God says to Moses you know what this is this is not going to work I should just wipe these people out and start over with you
0: but Moses reminds God of his promise to Abraham and pleads with God to spare them which is a really weird conversation why would God need to be reminded of something.
2: Yeah, it does seem odd. But this dialogue is inviting us into God's experience of grief and pain due to Israel's actions. And he really could walk away. But instead, this God chooses
0: faithfulness to his own promises even though he knows it's going to cost him. So we come to the end of the book. The tabernacle's built. God's presence comes down off the mountain to fill it. And in the final scene, Moses goes to enter the tabernacle to be in God's presence. But he can't. He's actually not able to go inside, and that's how the book ends. Why can't he go in? That was the whole point.
2: So when Israel worshipped the golden calf, it was like a slap in the face to God's faithfulness. And so Moses can't just waltz into the tent like everything's just fine. There's a deeper problem still in this relationship.
0: Will they ever be able to fix the relationship and go into God's presence? Well, that's what the next book, Leviticus, is all about.
1: Again, that's a lot of information, but isn't that well done? Isn't that awesome? You can go back and look at that on your own uh, through thebibleproject.com or on YouTube. You can type it in and to do that. For our time this morning, as we've kind of experienced all of Exodus, uh, the first half, second half, there are two main takeaways. The first one is this, that Exodus is a story about God. It's about how God came face-to-face with, it, with uh, his people. And it's interesting. It the story of Exodus brings us face-to-face with an incomparable, inexhaustible God. We will see the glory of God over and over and over throughout the pages of Exodus. We will see God intervening, standing on our side, and, uh, and it's not that God just does this independent. He is always caring about his people. And so it's a story about his people as well. We're going to learn about the Israelites, and it's a group of people that are certainly not perfect, not even close. They're just like us, but it's a group of people who needed, number one, to be rescued. They needed to be rescued, just like we do. And so it's a story of deliverance, right? It's it's their exodus out of Egypt. And in the first 18 chapters, we will see this. And again, when we think about deliverance and rescue, it's a story about God and his people. And uh, we need to be rescued as well. It's also a story, a group of people who need to be commissioned, and I love this, that they're commissioned, they're given the law, right? And they are, it's, it's that whole story on Mount Sinai, chapter 19, and for the next few chapters through 24. Uh, but again, what we're going to see is that they're commissioned to be God's people, and it's God and His people. Over and over, you're going to see that. It's also a group of people who needed communion, just like we do. Communion with God, and it's an invitation into this intimate fellowship with who God is. You will see the tabernacle, the tent of meetings uh, being uh, described and then built. Uh, Jessica said, how are you going to take those seven chapters that are long and then another six chapters that describe the exact same thing? I said, well, I've got a plan, right? And uh, don't worry, we'll get through it. But uh, it's a story over and over of God and his people and the intimacy that God wants with us. God will uh, establish himself as supreme, which is incredible, but also wants an intimate relationship. In fact, if God were to audibly speak this morning and give us the overview of what Exodus really is all about, I believe that God would say this to us. He would say, I am the living God and I care about my people. I think that's a word from the Lord for us in this season, for the next several, several months. I am the living God, and I care for my people. He cares for us. The glory of God is going to be revealed over and over. And the same God who led the the Israelites will lead us as a church and lead us individually. I believe God is committed to go before us and behind us and all around us in a similar way. That's how we often will close our services with that sort of benediction. And I believe that we have a God who is on our side. He's on our side. God sets us free so we can serve him, right? And we're invited into this intimate relationship, the same relationship that the Israelites were with a one true God, and we need to take hold of that salvation. I'm going to ask the worship team to join me as we, uh, as we come to a close this morning. This morning, uh, if you're saying, okay, where, you know, where can we look inside of Scripture to kind of get this overview? Uh, is there a, a set of Scriptures? And really, I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles or on your phones, or uh, you can look on the screens, to Exodus chapter 6. In Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, just three short verses, uh, it really gives a synopsis of what the book of Exodus is all about. And I want to read this, and then uh, and, and we'll will chat about it and respond. It says this, Therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression, and I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. I will bring you into a land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I will give you, give it to you, as your own possession. I am the Lord. I'm going to ask that you stand right where you are as we bring this to a close this morning. Again, I feel like if God were to give us the overview in a short sentence, he would say, I am the living God, and I care for my people. I am the living God, and I care for you. And that he doesn't care just for those that are here in person. If you're online and you're watching, he cares for all of us. And I just want to encourage you this year not to let God Uh, don't leave him behind interpret your life through the book of exodus with us and that means that there's favor there's also judgment there's it it will be quite the journey this last week i was able to uh go to a funeral in the detroit area my brother-in-law lost his his father to covid it was really sad died on christmas day and uh You know, anytime you're at a funeral, and actually I'm going to a funeral today after second service as well, but you kind of face life and death. And it's interesting that when you do that and you're in a setting like that, uh, you know, it just kind of opens your eyes to what's really important. And at this funeral, the pastor, one of the pastors that was speaking, described Jesus in a way that really gripped me. I'd never really heard Jesus described quite like this. He said that, uh, and this is a summary of my thoughts a couple days after, just looking back. He says that Jesus has done everything possible for us. He's given us his word. He sent us his son. He died for us. He rose from the grave, right? He's done everything possible to create an opportunity to have relationship with him. And then the pastor said something that really gripped me. He says, if you choose to step over the cross and to live your life without Jesus, he says, there's no one else to blame but yourself. I thought, wow, that's that was pretty powerful. Pretty interesting thought. And there's a song that kind of captures that type of love that Jesus has, what he's done for us, that he goes so far beyond. And I just think of how it, how it ties with the book of Exodus, that God is saying, I am the living God and I care for my people. Church, he cares for us. His love for us is incredible. And it's not just for us. Kind of going back to the word that I've that shared with Brandon, shared with you at the beginning. We build from here. Well, the fact of the matter is there are people that need to be in these seats, that need to be online, that we can share and and, uh, encourage them to join us. There are people that need Jesus. And this morning after we sing, we're gonna receive uh, an opportunity to accept Jesus, and if you don't know Jesus, let this song minister to your heart, and let it roll over you, and let it change you from the inside out, let's sing this with gusto this morning, the song is Reckless Love, praise the Lord, the Lord would say, I am the living God. done everything He needs to do in order for you to accept Him, to walk in that relationship. And this morning, we want to offer the free gift of salvation at the very beginning of 2022. I don't know where you've been. I don't know where what uh, your life has looked like. But if your life is separated from God in any way, you've walked away or maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior want to give you that opportunity right here right now if you're online uh, we want you to respond just saying I need Jesus or I need salvation or I'm giving my heart to the Lord and we will follow up with you each and every time but for those that are here I'm gonna ask that we would uh, just bow our heads close our eyes just a moment between you and the Lord if you are here and you need to accept Jesus as your personal Savior I want you just to lift your hand right where you are all across the place yep just like the song said, that the Lord would leave the 99 to go after the one. I think there's just one in in the room, maybe others online, that's responding for the sake of the one. Could I just lead you in a simple prayer? It's not the prayer that saves you. It's really your heart being turned towards God and giving your heart to Jesus. Would everyone just repeat after me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for the things I've done for the sin in my life and today I'm turning towards you I believe in you that you are who you said you were you are a God that cares for me I believe that you died on the cross and you rose from the grave providing a way for me to have relationships of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And for the sake of the one, we just rejoice with the angels in heaven. Praise God. So awesome. Awesome. And we'll follow up here in a minute uh, and, and want to encourage you in that way. As we consider walking through the book of Exodus together, we have a resource for you. It's the ESV Scripture Journal, and it's a great tool. We've used these before, and basically what it is, it's a it's the Scripture on one side, and on the other side, it gives you opportunity each week when you come to church, or even with pre-study, to give you an opportunity to take notes. And our privilege is to be able to do that and then to be able to share with others or to keep it as a treasure ourselves. We can go back to the book of Mark, for example, when we did this with Mark, and we can say, all right, what was God teaching me or what was uh, God doing in those those areas? And it's so, so valuable. And uh, we have secured uh, one of these for every single person. It's not one per family. It's for every single one of you that would walk with us uh, in this journey and that would be interested uh, there is a, an envelope, giving, and it says Exodus $5. Um, if you are able to participate in that, you can just put five bucks in it and put it at any of the giving receptacles. You don't have to do that today, um, but over the next month, that would be great. Uh, if you're able, if you're not, I promise you, no one's coming after you. We want you to take this as a as a resource uh, that will be a blessing to you. I also encourage you, we learned from last time, put your name in yours because these all look the same. And if we have one that's left behind, uh, we certainly want to make sure we can get it back to you to do that. And then the last thing, and if we could put up the slide for this, each week through this series, we want to give you a sense of where we are headed in the series. And uh, with Exodus, uh, it's going to be some bigger chunks. And uh, uh, and so like when we get towards the end, it's going to be some real big chunks. But for the first week, so next time we meet, uh, we are going to be studying Exodus chapter 1 and Exodus chapter 2 in t- together. And so that's your assignment next week. So, so take one of these and pre-read. And you say, well, why do you do that? Well, it kind of creates a foundation. Foundation, a basic understanding, and then we're going to build on that, and we want a strong foundation, right? You don't build a house on the sand. You don't just uh, you know, show up and, uh, without a plan, and so the plan is each time we're going to let you know where we're headed the following week, and uh, and then you can pre-read, come ready to receive, and, uh, and I just believe that God is going to help us to grow uh, in this season. And then last thing, uh, this morning, we had one that, that received Christ. Uh, there are people in our lives that need the message of Jesus. They need to hear the truth of Exodus, that, that God says, I am the living God and I care for you. And we can be the mouthpiece. We can be the, the ones that spread the news. And I just believe, you know, as we continue through this series, uh, as we uh, establish this series, that God, He's going to honor His Word, and He's going to help us to grow, and I'm going to encourage you to bring someone along with you for the ride, and talk about Exodus. Ask people, what do they know about Exodus? And just all the way around, I believe that God, He's going to get the glory, but He's going to use you. And so just put your hand on your heart right now, and would you say this after me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, help me to be a light. Help me to be a voice for you to reach one more in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Thanks for being here on the first Sunday of the year. We love you. We'll see you next week.